Jonathan. Good morning, family. Um, so this morning, we'll be speaking, continuing our sermon series on values, and we'll be speaking on the value of evangelism. Um, so could you please turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3, and we'll be reading from verse 16 to 21. So Ezekiel chapter 3, and we'll be reading from verse 16 to 21. Um, but while you look for that scripture in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16 to 21, um, I have a bit of a story to share. So one of the things um, about being a husband is that you are uh, a vat of knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> just, just carrying a lot inside of you. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I identify as Sianda's husband. Um, so Sianda's my wife. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that I've seen as being interesting in our marriage is that my wife has plans for us. So last week, Friday, she had a plan for us that we're going to have dinner with a couple of friends. It's going to be an amazing time. Um, and I also had other plans that that weekend is going to be growth weekend. Um, and I had to be present at growth weekend. But because I'm just this vat of knowledge and wisdom, I did not communicate this with my wife. And so now there was this clash of plans. Um, and so then it came to a point where I was like, hey, um, I know we've been planning this thing, but I have work. You know, there's growth weekend. So I can't do the dinner, but you guys can go ahead. And she's like, no, 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 we can't. You have to be there. And that happens so frequently when there's a plan that my wife has. And I have other plans, but I don't communicate with my wife, right? And then I'm the one who has to bear the guilt of messing up what my wife has, has planned for us. And so that's, that's the context uh, of this scripture, is that the Lord has a plan for us. And sometimes we get, away, get in the way of the Lord's plans. In order to reach the nations, God had one plan, and that plan is the church. There is a plan A. I've searched throughout scripture, there is no plan B. Unfortunately, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, not evangelism again, Unfortunately, that's plan A. God is calling you and I to reach the lost. God is calling you and I to take part in his kingdom plans. And sometimes we make plans that get in the way of what the Lord is doing. And I believe that God is calling us to surrender our plans and submit to his plan for our lives. Because he is God, he is good, he is sovereign, he is seated on the throne. So, um, Ezekiel... Chapter 3, verse 16 to 21, says the following. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. 
because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are Lord. And Father, we come to you as your children, wanting to hear a word from you. So Father, speak through me this morning. Whatever thoughts, whatever ideas I have, I surrender them to you. And I ask that your spirit would speak through me to your children, to us as a family, to remind us what it is that you are calling us to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, in Ezekiel 3.16, it says, and the at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. So this scripture uh, is a uh, prophet Ezekiel is a young man uh, who heard from the Lord to be a prophet to the nations. And a prophet is basically someone who stands in the gap between man and people and delivers a message that God has. And so if you're asking yourself, what does the scripture have to do with us today? Because in this room, we aren't all prophets, right? But we are all believers. And how the scripture applies to us is that the word of the Lord has come to us. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 and verse 14, it says the, the following. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word that has come to us. Jesus is the word that lived the perfect life that we should have lived. Jesus is the word that has revealed himself to us. And that word has come to us as believers. If you don't believe me, you can look through the word, the Bible, where God, where God has revealed who he is, has revealed his nature, has revealed his character. The word has already come to us. We do not need to wait to hear from, from God because God has already spoken. And he has spoken through his son. In Hebrews chapter 1, it begins off by saying that in the old days, God spoke through the law and through the prophets. But now he speaks through his son. The law and the prophets have already been spoken. But now Jesus speaks through his son. And that word has already been spoken. And that word has already come to us as a church. The word did not come from every nation. The word did not come from Jonathan. did not come from Pastor Peter. It did not come uh, from Hank. But the word came from God. And that word is Jesus. Because Jesus is the word. Not only is Jesus God, but Jesus is the word. And so, then the next part it says, I have made you a watchman. So not only is Jesus the word, but there's identity spoken over us as the church. Is that I have made you a watchman. So if someone has made you something, there's nothing you can do to undo what they have made. Because they have already made it. In this moment, Jesus, I mean, God is speaking identity over us. He is saying that you are a watchman. Whether you like it or not, you do not have a say in the matter. We can't debate with what God is saying because he's saying you are a watchman. I have made 
you are watchmen. My wife and I have the privilege um, and the honor that we have made two um, beautiful people. Um, and there's nothing we can do as parents to unmake these children. They are already made. The only way we can unmake them is if we send them back to God. And we aren't going to do that. We aren't going to do that. But they are already made. They are here. There's nothing we can do about it. The only thing we can do is, will we honor God in being parents to these children, or will we dishonor God and not be parents to these children? There's nothing we can do. They've already been made. They are there. They're at home. They are causing chaos, giving us sleepless nights. They have been made. We can't unmake them. We can't take it back. But we have a choice to make as parents is that will we honor God in raising them or will we dishonor God? You have been made watchmen. Jesus has already spoken. You are a watchman. I have made you a watchman. And you have a choice. Will you honor God and, and be who he has called you to be? Or will you dishonor God and be what you want to be? It is hard to speak about our values without referring back to lordship. Because our values exist because he is lord. If Jesus is not Lord, then you are Lord. Therefore, you can disobey what Jesus has already said. But if you disobey, it does not take away from the fact that he's already said, you are a watchman. I have made you a watchman. And if you are sitting here and you're asking yourself, okay, fine, I've been made this watchman. What is a watchman? Because in these days, we don't have watchmen. So, in the old times, um, the cities had walls right around the city. And so, in order to be aware of any attacks that might come, be aware of any good news that might come, there were a watchmen who were appointed to be stationed all around the walls, so on the wall. Uh, and they were high above the city. So, they could see the city uh, in its entirety, and they could see what's outside of the city as well in its entirety. And so they would be sitting there or standing there at times and just watching. Watching for good news. Watching for the attack of the enemy. That's what they do. It's in the name, watchmen. You watch as a man or a woman. <laughs> you just watch. It is as simple as that. It's not complicated. You watch. And in this text it says, I have made you a watchman over Israel. That means Ezekiel was made to watch over Israel, the community and the city that he found himself in. And he's watching and he's looking out for any attacks that might come. He's watching and seeing what's happening inside the city. And as a watchman, I'd like to imagine him sitting there by himself, speaking to the Lord and telling the Lord, Lord, this is what I'm seeing in the city. Lord, this is what I'm seeing happen outside the city. You have been made a watchman over the city. You have been made a watchman over Equestria. You have been made a watchman over the complex where you live. You have been made a watchman in the neighborhood that you stayed in. 
You have been made a watchman of the school your children attend. You have been made a watchman over your workplace. Because that is where God has placed you. Ezekiel finds himself in Israel because that's where God placed him. It is the same for us. Wherever God has placed you, you are a watchman. And the word has already been spoken. And you have a choice. It's either you obey God as a watchman or disobey God as a watchman. And so there are, th there are three characteristics um, I'd like to point out of being a watchman. So first and foremost, a watchman is set apart. They are not parts of the community because they have been removed from the community to perform a specific function. We see in scripture that when something or someone is set apart, that is called being holy. So part of being a watchman is that you are called to be holy. To not live lives as those in the city live, but to live a life that is honoring God. As a watchman, you are limited in the activities that you can take place because you have a responsibility to God and the city. So you can't just do any and everything whenever, however you wish because you have a responsibility to the one who has placed you to watch over the city. So you are called to be holy. Secondly, watchmen are positioned on walls or elevated places because they're above the city so that they could see what's happening in the city. They could see what's happening outside of the city. But how do we see what's happening in the city? We can only see that through prayer. Because we can stand here in the, in the venue and try to look at the city, but we won't see anything. And the only time we can get a proper aerial view of the city, the only time we can get to know what's happening in the city is if we pray for the city. It's if we pray for the people in the city. When we pray, God starts to reveal to us what's happening in the city. God starts to reveal to us the enemy that's coming from without the city to attack the city. God starts to reveal what's happening in our schools because you aren't at school each and every single day. Your kids are, so you don't know what's happening. Last year when uh, my wife started working, um, after giving birth to our first child, um, my, my, as you know, um, as some of you know, is that my daughter was born premature. So the pediatrician said, nope, your child can't do preschool up until she's two years old. So then we had to get a nanny to stay at home. And we were so terrified because now we have this stranger who has to come and watch and protect our child. And one of the things I remember saying to my wife, um, as this vet of knowledge and wisdom that I am, I told my wife, I'm like, babe, we're not leaving our child in the care of this person. We are leaving our child in the care of the Lord. And so we need to continually pray for what's happening in this house. And after some time, the Lord actually started revealing things to my wife about what's happening in our home when we aren't around. Because when you are home, the nanny seems great and it's amazing. But then the Lord started revealing things um, to, to, to my wife. Uh, one of the things that my, my, the, the Lord revealed to my wife was that the nanny we had employed sees a Sangoma consistently to get Muti to help strengthen her so that she can retain this job. And that she'd never lose the job. But that's something we would have never known unless we prayed for what's happening in our home. 
And because of that revelation, we were able to act accordingly. What more will God do when we pray for the city? What more will the Lord reveal to you when you pray for the schools in the city? What more will the Lord reveal to you when you pray for the communities in our city? When we pray, the Lord will reveal. And that's what we are called to as watchmen. We are called to prayer. Because it is through prayer that the Lord reveals. And it is through prayer that we are able to act. And the third thing as watchmen that we are called to, um, it is a task to warn people of any danger or news they have observed. So it is a task to warn people to say, if you continue living this way, it will not end well for you. Or if there's great news, which the good news is Jesus, that he lived the life that you should have lived. And so there's no need for you to continue like this, seeking, for appro seeking approval, seeking comfort, seeking significance, seeking control in the things of the world. Rather, all those things can be found in Jesus. And that's the good news that we have as watchmen. It's not always doom and gloom, but we have good news. But then there's the opposite side where we disobey and we aren't being watchmen. And I've fallen guilty of this many times. And so three things I've noticed about watching men. The first one is that uh, watching people is common. So sometimes when you go out to the mall, when we're out in public places, we look at people, we see people, we see what they do, we see what they're wearing. Um, and there is an activity, it's called people watching. Um, <laughs> where you can sit and watch people and just look at them, right? That's a common thing. Anyone can do it. It's, it's, yeah, it's just available to anyone. Christian or non-Christian, we like to just watch people. It is something that is common. The second thing is that uh, we regard people according to the flesh. So when you people watch a lot, you look at people and you just see what's on the outside. You don't see their hearts. You don't see... Uh, their background, you don't see their story, you don't see them as God sees them because you're seeing them in the, the way the world sees them. And because of that, our task is to judge people. So then we look at Hank in all his handsomeness and we're like, he must be an amazing man simply because of his amazing beard, very distinguished, um, great shoes, Right? Or we can look at Jean and we look like, hmm, not sure if he's actually 17. <laughs> I'm sure he's closer to 60 than 17. Right? But now that's me judging Jean. Jean, I'm sorry. I don't mean to judge you there. <laughs> and so those are the two things that it's either we become watchmen who God has called us to be or we just watch men. And the downside of just watching men is that as believers, we see the spiritual condition that people are in, and we leave them there. There have been many times, not many times, many times, just last night. This is me being transparent. Please still love me. <laughs> just last night, we had my wife's friend over. And the first thing he said to us, um, he came in with, not my wife's friend, my wife's cousin, came with alcohol to our house, and we're like, oh, be free, do your thing, right? And then... The first thing he told us is his love of alcohol, how he loves alcohol, how every weekend he's just drinking, how every weekend, uh, almost every day, sometimes he doesn't even sleep at home simply because he loves alcohol. And in that moment, I had an opportunity to be a watchman, 
where I can proclaim the good news, where I can give him warning over what's happening in his soul and what God can do to set him free from that. Instead of doing that, I chose to just watch him and not give warning and not proclaim the good news to him. I remember last year, one of our interns on staff came and he shared a testimony and he said, there's a guy he's been having coffee with and he had about five coffees with the guy and um, when he was supposed to meet him for the sixth coffee, he found out that he actually passed away in a motorcycle accident. And he came here in front of staff and he told us that in all those five different coffees, at no point did he share the gospel with him. At no point did he proclaim the good news to him. And he had to sit with that feeling of knowing that I don't know if he's going to heaven or hell. Because I had five opportunities to share the gospel, to share the good news. And now I don't know where he is. There isn't a certainty in my soul where I know I shared the good news and maybe the person rejected it or didn't. But at least you know that even though, let's say, he went to hell, I shared the good news and he made that choice. I didn't even give that person a choice to make, to, to say yes or no. And so we don't know what's the consequences of his soul because he never asked those critical questions. I think of my wife's cousin last night who loves alcohol, who always drinks under the influence. If he passed away last night, I'd be sitting here with the guilt of knowing that certainly he's definitely going to hell simply because I did not give him the choice to respond to who God is. I had an, a, an opportunity right there and there to be a watchman. Instead, I, choose, I chose to just watch him. And here's what the, the scripture says. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. And so there's God will hold us accountable to all the opportunities that we had to share the gospel, to all the opportunities to be a watchman, and we chose to watch people, God will hold us accountable. And I, I shudder as I, as I say these words because I know, personally, I know you guys are great. You guys are the evangelists in the church. But I know for myself there are times where I have the opportunity to share the gospel and I don't. I have random conversations with people that are really amazing and I leave not sharing the gospel and I leave feeling like, oh man, that was a great conversation. The guy told me about his job, <coughs> told me about his family, this, that, and the other. But what's more important than our work? What's more important than our family than being reconciled to the Father? And I have made a decision in those moments to disobey God and not give people the opportunity. Uh, last week, we had one of our interns on campus. And one of the things I was telling him, because it was his first time on campus, I was telling him that, man, when I, I reach out to people and I share the gospel with people, I like to be intentional. And when I, when I ask people, do you want to give your heart to the Lord? I'm always intentional to say, you are more than welcome to say no. Because you're not saying no to me. You are saying no to Jesus. And I want you to leave this place knowing that if you say no, don't leave here feeling like you rejected me because you didn't. Leave here knowing that you rejected Jesus and be aware of it. 
And the reason why I do that is so that when they die and they stand before the Lord, the Lord will remind them of that conversation and he said, you were given an opportunity to give your life to me, but you chose to say no. And so whenever I reach out, I'm intentional to let people know that say no. If, if you want to say no, say no. But don't say yes because I'm here and you feel sorry for me um, and you think I'm going to respond a certain way. I don't care how I receive your yes or your no. What I care about is your soul and be aware the consequences of the choices that you make. If you say no and you die right now and lightning hits you, boom, dead. You're going to hell. But be okay with the fact that you're going to hell. But if you say yes and lightning comes, hits you again, boom dead you'll be in the presence of the father and that's a choice that you have to make but at the same time the lord will also hold me accountable for all those times where i did not share the gospel where someone dies and they don't know him all because of my disobedience and so it says here you shall show um you shall surely die and give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked. So who are the wicked? Because when we hear this word wicked, we're thinking, man, a criminal, a gangster of notes, a murderer of notes, a liar of notes. But there's two characteristics of the wicked. The wicked are guilty of hostility towards God or his people. So again, when we just watch people, we regard them according to the flesh. And we judge wickedness based on that. But wickedness, according to scripture, is when someone is hostile towards God, who doesn't have a relationship with God. So someone who's wicked could be like a colleague, could look like a colleague, who has a good life, who loves his family, who's present, but doesn't have a relationship with God and wants nothing to do with God. That's what wickedness looks like. And the wicked are guilty of sin. So people who sin habitually, uh, who don't want to repent, who don't want to seek God, who don't want a relationship with God. These are the wicked. And they look just like you and I. They don't look like the gangsters. They don't look um, like the hardened criminals that we think when we think wicked. They look like the mommy and daddy who's bringing the kid that they love to the school. They look like um, the, that guy who irritated you because you took long ordering coffee and you just had to get your fix as well. And you weren't concerned about their souls. The wicked are normal, everyday people that we see day to day. The warning is not only for the wicked, but it's for the righteous as well. Um, I've had the honor and the privilege of being a Christian um, for close to 10 years now. Um, and unfortunately, the people who I started the journey with of Christianity uh, are no longer Christians uh, as we speak. And so I still have a responsibility to saved people to continually preach the gospel to them as well because the gospel isn't just for the lost but for the gospels for for the saved as well the gospel isn't just giving us entrance into relationship with jesus but the gospel is our all our a to z as the late kim kim Teller, tim keller said is that we need the gospel each and every single day of our lives and so church are we preaching the gospel to each other 
Let us preach the gospel to one another. Let us remind one another what it is we are called to. Let us remind one another of the holy God that we are called to love, the holy God that we are called to serve. When we stand here on a Sunday and we're worshiping the Lord, it isn't just for us to feel good, but it's for us to be reminded of the gospel. And the gospel is Jesus. The gospel is God. And there's an opportunity for us to be reminded. We, we call people to take part in connect groups, not because we want to keep them busy, not because we want their calendars to be full, but we want them to live out the gospel. And so if you aren't in a connect group, I'd like to encourage you now to sign up after the service to the, at the book and info table so that you can live the gospel each and every single day. The gospel isn't something that we respond to once off at a moment of salvation, but the gospel is something we respond to daily because we need the gospel each and every single day. And even the scripture is very clear. Um, from verse 20, it says, Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a, a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. And so if you walk away from the faith, all the people that you led to the Lord, all the great things that you have done, they will not be remembered. Because the saddest thing about that is that you walked away from the Lord. And if you are sitting here and you're contemplating walking away from the Lord, I'd like to encourage you, don't walk away from the Lord. Speak to someone. Speak to your neighbor sitting there right next to you and tell them, hey, I want to walk away from the Lord. And neighbor, preach the gospel to the person and remind them that this is the gospel. And so even with saved people, the Lord is going to still hold us accountable. Because our faith isn't one where we are independent of one another, but we are interdependent of each other. We need one another. We can't do the Christian faith alone. We need each other to remain strong, to remain faithful to God, to always worship Him. Because there are moments where we genuinely do consider leaving the faith, but we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to preach the gospel to us so that we can remain. And if you're discipling someone or you, you are in a connect group with someone, it is your responsibility to continually preach the gospel. Because the Lord will hold us accountable. But the warning is the good news. Rice Brooks, one of our Every Nation founders and Every Nation leaders, has a gospel creed. And he summarizes it like this. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. In our place, three days later, he rose from the dead proving he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes in him. The gospel is good news because God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life perfectly, meaning that there was no sin in him. He did not make not even one mistake. He got every single thing right. We have an evangelism tool called the God Test. Um, and so there's a question that says, what does God require of you? And a lot of time people say, God requires me to pray. God requires me to believe. God requires this and that for me. God requires me to obey the Ten Commandments. And we ask people, the following question is, 
on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing in terms of meeting those expectations that God has of you, right? A lot of time people say, it's a 5 or it's a 6 or it's a 4. And you ask, okay, why would you rate yourself as like, man, I'm not perfect. I, I, I can't do things perfectly. So if I gave myself a 10 out of 10, I know I'd be lying. That's true for each and every single one of us. But it's good news because Jesus came and he lived life at a 10 out of 10. He met each and every single requirement that the Lord had of him. He obeyed God perfectly. Not only that, but because of the fact that we aren't at a 10 out of 10, we deserve to be punished. So in James chapter 2, it says this, that if you break one part of the law, you are guilty for all of the law. You are guilty for breaking all of the law. So I like doing this quick test with people. <coughs> and this quick test is very simple. Um, I ask people, okay, um, Jesus says uh, in Matthew, you shall not commit adultery, right? And then I'd ask this person, have you ever committed adultery? I'm like, no, 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 I haven't committed adultery. And I'm like, but Jesus takes the law a step further and he says, if you look at a woman lustfully, then you have good as committing adultery in your heart. And I asked them, have you looked at someone lustfully? And the answer is usually yes. So we see that, wow, okay, one of the commandments I've already broken. Then I asked the following question. It says, you shall not commit murder. And I asked, have you murdered someone? And thankfully, I haven't met a murderer yet. Um, and they usually say, no, I have not committed murder. And I'm like, but Jesus says in the book of Matthew that if you are angry with your brother, it is good as committing murder in your heart. And I asked, have you been angry at someone? And his answer is usually, yes, I have been angry. So you see, again, that's another commandment that you have broken. Damn. So already, that's two of the ten commandments. Let's not even go any further. You are guilty of the whole law. You are guilty of breaking everything that the Lord requires of you because God's standard is perfection. But it is good news that he sent Jesus and he fulfilled the law. But the bad news is that if you don't receive the good news, you are liable to punishment for the laws that you have broken because God is a holy God. God is a just God and he must deal with sin. He does not leave sin unpunished. And if you are a believer, you can rest in the fact that Jesus took that punishment for you on the cross. Is that that's a punishment you don't have to take. Is that one day when you die and you stand before the Father, the Father's going to say, here is what you are guilty of. But because Jesus took the punishment for you, I clear you of all charges. And so it, um, he lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we deserve to die in our place. And three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God. He made a lot of claims about being the Son of God, but he proved that he is the Son of God by giving up his life and rising from the dead three days later. I know we've lost a lot of people, especially during COVID, and a lot of us wish those people would rise from the dead. To show you that Jesus is God, he rose from the dead because he has the power to defeat death. And unfortunately, what life has taught us is that we don't have the power to, to defeat death, but Jesus has the power. And so this is good news. And because of this, he's offering to us the gift of salvation. 
and the forgiveness of sins to anyone who chooses to repent and believe. So if you choose to repent, to repent is simple. It means I was walking this way and now I choose to walk this way and believe in the work that Jesus has done. That I was living a life of sin, but I am turning from that life of sin and I now turn to God to live a life that is pleasing and holy to him. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That is what we are called to do as watchmen, is to proclaim this message to the ends of the earth, to proclaim this message in the schools where our kids attend, is to proclaim this message to our families who don't have a relationship with God, is to proclaim this message in the complexes where we live, is to proclaim this message in our neighborhoods, is to proclaim this message in, even when we do groceries at checkers, even when you go get your coffee, is to proclaim this message. And so, Will you walk in the call of being a watchman for the city? That is something that you have to settle with the Lord. Or the next question is, will you walk in the call of being a watchman for South Africa? Because South Africa needs Christians to take up this call. It needs the sons and the daughters of God to pray for our nation, to proclaim the gospel for the sake of our nation. Will you walk in the call of being a watchman for the nations? If it is, for instance, Wesley, we had Wesley and Yanni for the past month who, who responded to the call to go uh, form part of the church plant in every nation, Mozambique, simply because they took up the call to be watchmen and the Lord called them to watch over Mozambique. And they went there and now they're leading a church there. Craig and Collier, as uh, Jonathan mentioned earlier, is that they, a call was made and they responded to the call and they said, we want to be watchmen in Mbombela. We want to pray for Mbombela and we want to proclaim the gospel in Mbombela so that Mbombela will be saved. And so when you walked in, there were these cards sitting on your chairs. Take the card. And so it says here, it's an engaged prayer list. And so I'd like to call you guys to write down now, just for a f in the next few minutes, to write down a few names of people that the Lord is laying on your heart. And these are the people that you want to pray for. These are the people that you want to share the gospel with. And then the second part is nations I am praying for. I'd like to ask that number one, you put South Africa down because this is the nation in which you are in. It says, I have made you a watchman over Israel. And so we can replace Israel with South Africa. I have made you a watchman over South Africa because we are called to be watchmen for this nation. So put down South Africa and then put down another nation. Because it shouldn't just be South Africa that we pray for. It should be the nations at large because the Lord wants to move in the nations. And for me, that nation is Brazil. So you can put down... Um, names there, um, and the hosting team have some pens if you do not have a pen. Um, yeah, so just for the next few minutes.
As we close, I'd like to pray with and for two groups of people. The first group of people, yeah, thank you. The first group of people, uh, if you have made a commitment to follow the Lord and you have walked away and you want to recommit your life to Him with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, and if you want to make a recommitment to say, Lord, I used to follow you, I used to love you, I used to want to serve you, and now I've walked away. And I want to recommit my life to, the, to you, Lord. If that's you, could you please put up your hand so I can pray with and for you. The second group of people I'd like to pray for is if you are sitting here and you have never made a commitment to have a relationship with Jesus. And when you heard me explaining the gospel, that the gospel is the good news, that God came as a man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserve to die in our place. And three days later, he rose from the grave proving that he is the son of God. And he's offering the gift of salvation to those who choose to repent and believe in him. And if, if that's you, if you know that you haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus, that you know that you haven't received this free gift of salvation, and you want to receive that gift today, you please put up your hand so that I can pray with and for you. Father, thank you for each and every single person that is seated here. I pray that they would receive your call to be watchmen for the community, watchmen for their neighborhood, watchmen for the city, watchmen for South Africa, watchmen for the people that you have placed in their lives. I pray that they would we would all intentionally pray, that we would all intentionally share the gospel because, Father, you love us and you love those who don't have relationship with you and you want to see them reconciled to you. Father, as today is Pentecost Sunday, we ask that we not do this in our own strength, but you pour out your spirit so that we can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. That you, Holy Spirit, would be the one to lead and to guide us. That you, Holy Spirit, would be the one to give us the boldness to share the gospel when we want to shrink away. That you would give us the boldness to share the gospel when we feel scared. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.